the wonderful wedding cake. Um, the wedding cake is one of the most important elements of any wedding day. And, um, you know, there are approximately 3 million wedding cakes made every year. Uh, it's, it's a part of the reception. And I often ask, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I love the taste of wedding cakes. It's one of my favorite cakes, especially when it's done right. And, but I ask the question, what makes a wedding cake so delicious? What makes a wedding cake so good? And it's the ingredients that's in it. And I've talked to a couple of bakers, and it's very simple what they do. And putting in a wedding cake, they're pretty much all the same. Simple ingredients. And we talked about that a little earlier. But what if the marriage can be as good as the wedding cake? What if the marriage can be as good as the wedding cake? I, I, I believe it is. And marriage has a way of waking you up. You know, there was a quote that says, if love is blind, then marriage is the eye opener. Because that's the truth. If love is blind, marriage will open your eyes and let you know what it is. And I want to finish this final session talking about how to live happily ever after. And these are terminologies that we've heard. And then at the end, I want us to do something. We're going to pray together, and we're going to exchange our vows again, just um, in a public way to recommit ourselves with God. And the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I love this. The Bible says that God will bless us for doing what is in his word. And if we operate our marriage at any other point outside of anything, outside of the recipe of God's word, if we try to operate our marriage outside of anything other than what the word of God says, I can guarantee you we're not going to have a successful relationship. We read earlier in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and it talks about what submission, it talked about submitting, that is both of us submitting to one another. It's the husband submitting to the wife. It's the wife submitting to the husband. And let me just give you a very simple, very clean, uh, basic definition of submission. It means to put your needs over my needs. And not out of reverence for each other, but for God. We really should put our needs, put the needs of our spouse over our needs. You know, when you're doing that, I promise you, you're constantly serving one another out of the heart of God, not to one-up, not to make yourself look better than, someone, uh, than your spouse, but it's to really, truly serve God. And if we can truly serve God first in our marriages, serve God first in our submission, we will see that translate over into our marriages. You know, I love to uh, hear kids talk about love. I love to hear kids talk about marriage. I love to hear kids give their explanation. Um, you know, I remember this a show years ago, Kids Say the Darnest Things. And you remember that show? And boy, I tell you, you want to know real what, what, how kids are thinking about certain things? Just ask them a question. And uh, this question was asked to a young lady, a little girl. Uh, her name was Anita. And they said, is it better to be single or married? And she says it's better for girls to be single but not for boys because boys need someone to clean up after them. There's a lot of truth in what kids say, I tell you. That's a lot. Um, this little young man, he was five years old, they asked him, uh, what is the right time to get married? He says, once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find me a wife. <laughs> they asked this young man, John, he was uh, nine years old. They said, what is marriage like? He says, it's like an avalanche. You have to run for your life. <laughs> Kids do say the darnest things, and sometimes there's a lot of truth in what kids are saying. But I think we kind of have these mindsets, 
and these, we have these, um, I, I would call fantasies about marriage. But what is it really about? How can we live happily ever after? I want to give you what I call the five stages of marriage. The five stages of marriage. And we all go through it whether we know it or not. The first stage is enchantment. That's like, where have you been all my life? You know, remember those days? Remember those days how you and your spouse just loved each other? You didn't want to be out of each other's presence? You remember the old days when you just be on the phone and you're talking on the phone, you didn't want to hang up? Like, you hang up. No, you hang up. Well, I'm not going to hang up until you hang up. And you're just like, I'm going to stay on this phone as long as I can just so I can hear your voice. That's an enchantment time. It's a, I'm just caught up with you. But then we move to the next stage of what I would call a, a relationship. That's the disenchantment. That's where, honestly, you start to irritate me. And we have to be honest about that. You start to irritate me. This, you start to think, did I make the right decision? Is this really going to work? And every relationship goes through this. Um, I'm not as enchanted with you anymore as I was before. The third stage is the judgment stage. The judgment stage is where we begin to basically assess our relationship. That's what people are doing here today. Why well, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you. And by the way, let me just say something to you about this church. And, and they didn't ask me to do this. Your pastors, most conferences charge people to come to this, charge people to have food. They believe in you so much that they wanted to make sure you had the very best and not have to be, you know, uh, think about financially paying for this. This is a church that believes in marriage and believes in you, your pastors. Can I also say this, that judgment, it should be a part of your marriage. Not judging, but judgment, meaning assessing your marriage. Assess where is it? Where are we? Because here's the thing, a lot of people think that marriage stays the same way all the time. It doesn't. Marriage has seasons. Just like in regular life, we have seasons in certain parts of the world. I truly understand that now. After living in upstate New York uh, uh, for 17 years, I know what the four seasons look like. But here's the deal. What you do in the first five years of marriage is not how, what you do in the... The second five years of marriage or ten years of marriage. There are seasons of marriage, different timings of things. And so you have to assess, where are we? Seasons have different things. For instance, um, you know, fall is a time for change, right? Things are going to change. Now, you may not see that all the time here in Southern California, but, in, but there's changing going on in the fall, and things are transitioning from one thing to the next. And living in upstate New York, we saw colors of, we saw green and yellow and red and uh, blue and purple trees changing in the fall. That means there's a, there's a change coming. And in marriage, it's also a time of change. Um, spring, spring's a time of new birth. It's a time of something coming alive. And some of you may be in that season of coming alive. Then there is summer. Summer is a time just to make fun. It's a time to kind of let our hair down. It's a time to kind of be relaxed and let's enjoy this. And some of you may be in that enjoying moment of your marriage, and that's great. But then there's winter. Winter, um, it, it's a time that it's, it's harder. Let's just be honest. Winter is harder to, to live in. And I know that after living in snow. 
and being around snow and having the, and being in a city where when it snows, it doesn't stop. You still got to go to work. You still got to go to school. You still got to get out there and plow the snow out of your driveway. And it doesn't stop because of snow. Like in certain parts of the world, they talk about snow, they shut down the city. If, they, if, they, if, if it snows in another city, that city shuts down, you know. Life and marriage has winter as well. It doesn't mean you give up. It just means you have to dress and be appropriately prepared for it. You don't put on summer clothes in the winter. You don't put on winter clothes in the summer unless something is wrong uh, uh, with you. And so marriage has seasons. And so you must assess your marriage. That's the, here's the next, once you do that, here's the next stage of marriage is improvement. Improvement is a time that uh, things are going to get better. Let me just speak that over you right now. If you don't give up, things will get better. It will get better. There's hope for you. I'm praying that. I believe that. My wife and I, Pastor Richard, uh, Pastor Nancy, we believe in that and praying for that. That's why we're investing this in you. There's hope. Your marriage can improve. It can be the best. It can be what you stood up and made those vows about. It can happen, and it will happen in the name of Jesus. Your marriage shall live and not die. Your marriage shall prosper. Your marriage shall be happy. You shall be happy to see her coming home. She'll be happy to see you coming home. There is improvement coming your way if you don't give up. Matter of fact, let's just receive that right now in Jesus' name. I receive my marriage improving, blessed, hallelujah, full of God's favor. Protection, hallelujah, wisdom, God meeting all of our needs, hallelujah. There's honor and respect in our marriage. Yes. Glory to God. God intended for marriage to be good from the very beginning in Genesis. Then the Lord said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Men, women, let me just tell you. Your husband and your wife is just right for you. It is good for you not to be alone. That, that happily ever after, that moment that you made those vows, you know, we were talking earlier over lunch, and I just feel led to share this. I was talking about inviting the presence of God into your marriage. And, it, and I just, it just something came upon me as we were talking, I just came to my heart. This is why when you go to a wedding, the presence of God in your marriage is so important. And every one of us can, can, can attest to this and have this experience. You ever gone to a wedding, and I don't care what the wedding is, you've gone to a wedding, and the two people that are getting married may not be anywhere close to God. It is just, but something about a wedding. There's a beautiful moment. It's a power, the presence of a wedding where we cry when we see the bride and the groom gets all emotional when he sees the bride coming up the aisle. Everything stops for a moment and everybody's spending time in this. You know why? Because marriage is from God. It's ordained of God. And the, holy, and the holiness of what we see at a wedding, even if the two people are just like literally agents from hell, for some reason, at a wedding, all time stops and the presence of God take over. And we cry and we're emotional. It probably ends at the reception, but it's, it's there in that, in that wedding ceremony. It's because God's presence started off that wedding. 
And if we want to continue that, we move into that place of keeping his presence in this covenant. It's a covenant. A covenant is an agreement made that binds two things together permanently in relationship. I believe that God, that's what God wants for us. And as we begin to process our marriage, this is just the beginning. This conference and this seminar and this day is just the beginning of a new season. It's a new season coming. I'm telling you, listen, summer is coming for your marriage. Summer, spring is ahead, praise God. You may have been in winter, but I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, summer is coming. Glory to God. And so we have to be um, intentional about this. The key is being intentional. Will you be as intentional about your marriage succeeding after this conference as you have been here at this conference? Will you be intentional about the vows that you made and the vows that we're going to make together as we close out this conference? Numbers 30 verse 2 says, A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. We must do exactly what we said we would do. The vows, let me, let me share this. We talk about marriage being a covenant. What is it that makes that covenant work? What is it that makes that marriage work? Well, the vows made at a wedding are the words that the covenant is built on. What are those vows? When a man and a woman makes a vow together publicly in marriage, they vow and obligate themselves to each other and to God. And we enter this, um, this covenant with one another. See, this, I don't believe that anybody stands at the altar and honestly believe that, you know, their vows, you never heard this in anyone's vows, let's have a lack of understanding in this marriage. Let's see how we can get on each other's nerve for the rest of our lives. I vow to get into arguments with you and curse you out as much as I possibly can. I vow to have an affair and fall out of love with you multiple times throughout this marriage. Finally, I vow to hate you and to divorce you as God as my witness. We never heard anybody say that, but for some reason, we see this happening in marriages. Well, it stops today in Jesus' name. The vow you make is an unconditional vow. It's made in love to God and to your spouse. And we decide today that that vow is not going to be conditional. Do not have, let's die to um, um, conditional vows. In reality, a lot of people come into marriage with very conditional vows. It's, you have to perform a certain way. You have to perform in the kitchen. You got to perform in the bedroom. You got to perform in your image. You got to perform with my family. You got to perform in your career. You got to perform to make me happy. So many people come into marriage, that's really the, the expectations they have, and these vows are unrealistic. But I believe it stops today. Um, I put something together, and I want to show you how I believe most people come into marriage. I call it the marriage madness. And if you keep up with sports, you've seen that we just came out of what we call March Madness. And um, I have what I call marriage madness. And we kind of come into marriage with these unrealistic expectations. And we come into marriage with these things like, wow, this is what I want it to be like. 
and this is what I need. And most men, they come in with this mindset, sex, my top 16, my sweet 16 is sex, I want my wife to be Miss America, I want her to be fine, I want to have drama free in my marriage, I want her to be my waitress, and I want her to have sex, my housekeeper, I want her to be Wonder Woman. The new one, not the old one, the new Wonder Woman. <laughs> I want her to be about me 24-7. She has to be in the sports. She needs to be my assistant. And an assistant that actually likes to have sex with me. I want her to have my baby, uh, our babies. I want her to be uh, able to cook. I want her to be Halle Berry all the time. That is so unrealistic. And that is so how in the mindset so many people come. Women, they also come in. Some of them come in with someone. I want diamonds. He has to buy me diamonds. I want him to be a first-round pick. I want him to have tattoos. Uh, actually, I want him to have lots of tattoos. I want him to be sexy. He needs to be Prince Charming, a handyman. He has to have abs and six-pack. He needs to be a mechanic. He needs to be a baller. He needs to be a mind reader. He needs to be an Ivy League scholar. He needs to like chick flicks. He needs to be masculine and sensitive. I want him to be the rock. You know what? Let me say something about that, about The Rock. I, my wife, we had this question years ago, like, who's your, who's your celebrity crush? And we got to talking about it, and she shared with me who her celebrity crush was, and it was The Rock. And I'm like, you know, at first, at first you know, my, my, my ego kind of got a little, like, you know, a little, little touch there, and I'm like, The Rock. And so finally, you know, I didn't get into an argument about it. I just started watching, you know, and, and from a male's perspective, not in any funny way. And one day I just started looking at The Rock, and I'm like, you know, uh, no, I see what she's talking about. I, I, He's fine. He's fine. I get it. I, I get all of that. I see. I see. I, you know what? I'm not going to be upset about that. But then I said to her, listen, I understand. I understand why a lot of people are into the rock. But I said to her, I don't know why you want that rock when you got this mountain right here, girl. I don't understand. Anyway. Here's the, it gets serious, you get more into marriage, it gets serious men, they start really saying, what is it I need, what is it I want in my marriage? Companionship, family, forgiveness, freedom, loyalty, there it is, sex, sex started off as a Cinderella, but it's moving its way up the bracket, it's right there in the Elite Eight, I want love, he wants to be celebrated, celebrate him, let him know, man, you winning, you winning, you winning, he may be 1 in 15, but let him know that one win. Women, what is it more realistic for them? Protection. She wants protection. She wants a partner. She wants a home, not a house. She wants a provider. She wants someone she can trust, someone that is faithful, someone that roman has romance and authentic. Then it starts to get really, really real. Because once we get into marriage and start realizing, hey, there's some things that are really important are the top four. What's the championship? Top four is respect, faith, sex, and honor. And the championship, if it comes down to it, the top two for every man, what they need is they need to be honored. He needs to feel honored. Know that you honor him. And sex, as there it is, it made it to the championship. For a woman, when it comes down to it, communication, faith, affection, security and if there was a top two not every woman but i can tell you most women they want security and they want affection and i think it's important for us to make these vows and, and importantly keep these vows 
and make sure that they're unconditional, not conditional. Conditional love is determined by performance. Conditional love is determined by performance. Unconditional love is determined by purpose. You have to perform to produce conditional love. Unconditional love is something you determine to do. Conditional is defined as this. Factors that must exist before something is approved are possible. Everything hinges on conditional love. It's subject to, contingent to. And what I want you to see is that God doesn't want us to have marriages and relationships that are built on conditional love, but unconditional love. Unconditional love is this. It loves first, first for God and unconditionally for their spouse. Unconditional love is loyalty. There's a faithfulness. There's a commitment. Unconditional love is for life. It cre life you know what life does? It creates capacity for growth. As we saw earlier, my wife and I, we think different about a lot of things, but we're committed to this for life. And I found out the more committed we stay, the more we're willing to change and, and, and not compromise for sake of loss, but a win for each other. And so I believe in this so much, and I believe in marriages, and I believe that it's important that God can have our marriages live happily ever after. Last year I had the privilege of sitting down with a couple and walking them through a very difficult time in their life. Their name is um, Brian and Jessica Mitchell. Um, I may have pictures of them. I'm not sure if I have those pictures, that, that guys, but I want you to show them if you do. Brian and Jessica Mitchell um, is a couple who um, they separated. This couple separated. And in 2017, they separated in 2018. They decided to get a divorce after 19 years of marriage. It's very sad. And I, my wife and I both, did everything in our power to try to keep them from getting divorced. We worked with them. We, we met with them. We prayed with them. We counseled with them individually and, and together. But it couldn't stop them, and they end up getting married. But I want to say to you, that's a happily ever after to this. They didn't start that way. I asked them what happened, and they said this. After years of making, after not making any changes, we took each other for granted. We thought marriage worked on its own. We didn't listen to each other. We didn't compromise as a team at all. We thought problems fixed themselves. We renewed our marriage and, we re and remarried because we realized that we were better together than we are apart. We realized that we didn't value each other like we should have. We had an opportunity to start again, becoming friends all over again. We have endured the worst from a marital standpoint. We are the same people, but different, different if that makes sense, she said. This is what Jessica said. The end is never really the end. Fighting hard is so important. The enemy wants so badly to destroy one of the most precious gifts God has given us, holy matrimony. We take nothing for granted anymore, and we do our best to nurture each other. God has a plan, not just for us, but for all marriages. I want you to understand something. Last year, I had the privilege of remarrying Brian and Jessica. <clears throat> And that's at their wedding that we did with just about five or six people there. 
but they love each other now like never before. And if I will tell you, if there's a miracle that, that God has in marriage, they're a miracle. They're a miracle. And they love each other with all their hearts. You see, I believe that the vows we make are vows that are meant to keep. And so here's what I want to do. I want to pray uh, with you and exchange vows with you. And I know there's some here, your spouse is not here. And I'm believing God with you. Your spouse may not even be thinking about marriage in this way. But we stand with you. And we pray with you. And we believe in God with you. And we believe that God is going to come through in Jesus' name. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up. Just continue to pray and seek God. Don't allow yourself to be um, put in bondage because they're not here. We stand with you. We ask you to stand and agree with us. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I'm going to ask my wife to come. And I'm going to ask you if you desire to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But we're going to exchange marriage vows. We're going to do a vow renewal as we close out this. And a vow is so simple and so powerful. I'll say this. There were, we've seen the power of God and the presence of God come over this moment all over the nation. We've had couples who were not saved when they first got married. And they've always wanted to renew their vows. And they didn't know if they could ever do it. And God did something in, these, in this moment. And so we're going to ask you to do the same if you choose to. I know some of you probably renewed your vows 10, 15 times. That's okay. It gets better every time. You know, when I got saved, I went to church every Sunday for, for years. And I went to the altar 100 times every Sunday. They never stopped me from coming to the altar. One of those times it stuck. It's, it stuck and it, and it actually paid off. I'm so glad it didn't stop me from receiving or rededicating my life to God every Sunday. And I believe you're rededicating your marriage is the same. God's going to do something on top of what he's already done. And so I'll ask you as husbands and wives to turn and face one another. If you don't have a spouse, you can sit and just pray with us. If, and not, as, as you would at any wedding you go to, you sit and you watch the husband and the wife take the vow. And um, I believe there's something powerful in this. And as you do this together, we're going to see the hand of God. Um, men, I'm going to ask you the, a question at the end. After I ask you these statements, you will say, I will. Tanya will do the same for the women. We'll also repeat the vows um, with our name in it. You will put your name in it. But I'm going to ask you first, men, will you have this woman to be your covenant wife, to life, to live together, after God's ordinance in the holy state of matrimony, will you love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in the good and the bad and forsaking all others? Will you keep yourself under her alone so as long as you both shall live? If you do, say, I will. All right, ladies, look at your spouse and say this. Repeat, say this with me. Will you have this man to be your covenant husband, to live together after God's ordinance in the holiest state of matrimony? Will you love him, comfort him, honor and keep him in the good and in the bad, forsaking all others? Will you keep yourself under him alone so long as you both shall live? And if you agree, say, I will. All right. Well, men, I'm going to say uh, my name. You say your name and your spouse's name. I, Lee, take thee, Tanya, to be my covenant wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, 
in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to death do us part. According to God's holy ordinance, I pledge to you, my love, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, ladies, here we go. I, Tanya, take thee, Lee, to be my covenant husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. According to God's holy ordinance, I pledge to you, my love, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And by the authority invested in me by God, as his man of God, I now re-pronounce you, husband and wife. You may seal your vows with a holy long kiss. <laughs> Picture of the happy couple. <laughs> I see happy tears. I love it. Listen, don't take this lightly. We don't take this lightly. We're so serious about this, and we believe that what just took place is very powerful. I look forward to hearing the testimonies. You know, I used to question about using the words um, for sickness or, or, or health and, and, and death. Until last year, two years ago actually, I did this at a church and I had a lady come up to me and said that she, would, she didn't know if she wanted to do it or not, do the vows, but she said, I decided to do the vows. And she said, I said, why didn't you want to do it at first? She says, well, first of all, my husband um, he just passed last week. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And said, we've been married for 49 years. And we both had said that we would not, we wanted to renew our vows at 50 years, 50, for 50 years. And she says, next week is our anniversary. And so I decided to do it. And she says, that really spoke to my heart to death do us part. And I never heard that before. I never heard anybody finish that. And I just believe that God is doing things in marriages and what God has done in your, in your marriage. There's a lot of life left. Amen. There's a lot of life left. Amen. You get the opportunity to go from this place right now, and you determine, not the devil, not the government, not the world, not your family, not anything determines what your marriage is going to be but you. God has already given you the answers to the test. All you got to do is look at it and apply it. And I'm believing God for happy marriages, blessed marriages. Can't wait to hear the testimonies. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Amen. And one more thing, Tanya. So we want to send you home with a little something um, to do this week. 
as you are loving on your spouse and remembering everything that we've done here today. So this is something you'll pick up as you leave the auditorium, but um, I'm going to read it to you and tell you what it is. We call it a one-on-one -on -one exercise, just for you and your spouse. And this one is called the Expectations Weekly Exercise. So I'm going to read it, and like I said, you'll take it with you. But it says, starting tomorrow morning and continuing every day for one week, we want each spouse to write down on a sticky note an expectation that you have for your spouse for that day. Um, you might also choose to keep it simple. You might want to send it in a sweet text, maybe instead of sending a, a, a sticky note, and that's fine. So some examples could be Monday, maybe you want them to take you on a surprise date. Tuesday, maybe initiate physical touch five times. Okay, whatever it might be, something like that. That's one. <laughs> Such a comedian. Okay. So, so once you write it down, take that sticky note and put it somewhere where you know your spouse will see it that they'll just come across it. They'll see it, okay? And if it's um, a text, make sure you send it at the beginning of the day because we want to make sure we give the spouse the whole day to have enough time to work that expectation out, whatever it might be, all right? And then it's up to the other spouse to figure out how to meet that expectation, okay? We're going to do this every day for a week. On the final evening of the week, plan a date night dessert night, go somewhere, and then we want you guys to sit down and discuss the whole process. Talk about the expectations and how you each fulfilled them that week. And then you might want to answer some of these questions, like what was the experience like for each spouse? Um, which one did you enjoy doing the most out of all the list of things? Which one did you enjoy receiving the most? Uh, were the expectations difficult to meet in your experience? And then were any of them unreasonable or, or just too hard for you to meet? Okay, and then talk about that. And then finally, how will you continue to meet the expectations of your spouse moving forward? Right, so this gives you guys an opportunity to connect intentionally. And that's kind of what he was talking about. Let's get this thing off autopilot. Intentional connections to meet those expectations that you both have. So you'll be able to grab this. Uh, they'll be at the, I still have them at the doors as you leave. And we really want you to take this to heart. All right. Thank you all so much.